Harris Wilson. Uh, Galvez um, had to take his uh, his his mom to the to the doctor. Uh, he said that he'd be able to record. Uh, you know, maybe around this time, if he were, uh, you know, he said he, maybe at three or four. You know, when he when he was done. Right now it's three thirty three p.m. and you know, uh, you know, I messaged him to see if you know what was up, and he didn't say anything. So here I am again by myself. Um. So, you know, basically, uh, I decided that I would stop trying. You know, to have a uh, a plan. You know, uh, I mean, it's like I. I mean, I. I have a few, a few topics, you know, that I, uh, you know, I mean, that's kind of how I always do it, you know, it's just a few topics, but it's just, you know, I mean, I'm not, it's like, I'm not even going to try to have any real structure or anything like that anymore. Like, it's just, you know, it's going to just press play and then, you know, (laughs) whatever happens, happens, uh, Excuse me. So, you know, uh, I mean, I guess I wanted to say something about Mike Gundy, uh, the famous uh, coach from Oklahoma State football, you know, Oklahoma State, the fa- Oklahoma State football coach, uh, who many years ago uh, famously said. Uh, I'm a man, I'm 40, you know, at that press conference where he was defending his, his player. Uh, he's come under fire uh, for uh, being pictured in a, uh, an OWN t-shirt. OWN is the uh, the network that's a, it's a far-right, um, pro-Trump um, uh, network. Let me see, I'm not even sure what it, uh, what it stands for. Let me see here. Uh, One American News Network, uh, also known as One American uh, One American News, uh, is a far right cable channel founded by Robert Herring Sr. and and owned by Herring uh, Networks Inc. Launched on July fourth, two thousand thirteen. Um, I'm reading that off of Wikipedia. Uh, its prime time political talk shows have a conservative perspective, and the channel regularly features pro-Donald Trump stories. The channel described itself as one of the greatest supporters of Trump and Trump has repeatedly promoted the network. The channel is prominent for, for promoting falsehoods and conspiracy theories. Uh, you know, I didn't know much about the, the network. I guess I had probably heard of it before. Uh, but, but you know, before the, the, uh, the Gundy situation happened, you know, the way I look at it is, you know, what, what Mike Gundy, uh, what Mike Gundy, what kind of t-shirt he wears or what his political views are, or, you know, that's his business. That's the way I look at it. And that's the way it used to be, you know, like it just wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, it's really incredible that the liberals have managed to make the, the right wing now, like <laughs> the Nazi party. <laughs> Do people know what the real life Nazis were like? Uh, I was reading um, this uh, book. No, no, I wasn't reading the book. You know, I, you know Jordan Peterson. Uh, I was, I was, 
uh, I guess probably a couple of years ago. He was on the Jordan, the, the Joe Rogan podcast, and he was talking about the book Ordinary Men by Christopher Browning, uh, where Christopher Browning basically talks, you know, he, uh, you know, he dives into, you know, the this battalion of uh, of Nazi killers, battalion one one on one, that was composed, you know, comprised of men who uh, were, you know, had, had just been ordinary men. You know, as the title, you know, that's where the title comes from. You know, they were just regular guys. They were teachers. They were, uh, you know, shoe salesmen, you know, did dentists, you know, whatever, you know. Um, and they came to uh, to participate in the in the Holocaust as, you know, mass murderers of, of Jews. And, you know, it just it's just, you know, and you, and you read the, you know, the details of it, like everybody should know by now, you know, what the what the Holocaust was, you know, was like. Uh, just completely, you know, this is a complete dehumanization of, of you know, of, of the Jewish people over there in, in Europe. And it's just such, I mean, when you hear that these, these liberals, uh, you know, use terms like that, you know, to describe, I mean, I mean, it's just so vile, you know, it just goes to show just how low they've, they've, uh, you know, they've stooped, you know. <laughs> you know, it's funny, like, I remember, I remember telling myself, and Sam, this podcast that I wasn't like I, w- I was going to try not to be so political, you know. But you know, that's kind of ever since the, uh, the. I mean, we've done a few episodes like that uh, since um, since Galvis joined me. Um, we did a we did a Super Tuesday episode, uh, and then since the George Floyd stuff happened. Uh, you know, uh, there's been a, you know, we've, we've talked, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, pol- pol- uh, politics and race based uh, discussion on this podcast. Uh, you know, but, you know, really, I'd like to, when I'm talking about college football, you know, I'd like to talk about college football in a, you know, way where it's like about the actual football and not what, what a football coach uh, is wearing on his, uh, on his t shirt, you know, what kind of t shirt a football coach is wearing. Because that to me has nothing to do with. I mean, it's just to me that's not news. Uh, but in this in this day and age, uh, that is news. Um, let me see here. I was reading about Alabama. How Alabama is their their recruiting class right now is like outside of the top twenty. Uh, what's what's going on? Um, Yeah, so uh, this story was from Tom Van Haren uh, on ESPN. Uh, it said ESPN emphasis uh, Alabama landed its third ESPN 300 commitment in June on Tuesday when wide receiver Christian Larry announced his decision to join the Tide. Um, he's a number four, 74 overall recruit uh, and he helps Alabama continue to rise in the class rankings uh, prior to the commitment Alabama has the number 23 ranked class overall which is lower than the Crimson Tide have been used to in recent years this time last year in the 2020 cycle the Tide had the number 2 ranked, ranked class and they have the number 1 ranked class in June of the 2019 cycle 
Yeah, so I don't know what's going on with Alabama. They have, they've had a slow start, um, you know, uh, as far as, uh, you know, next year's class is, uh, is concerned. Uh, but, you know, there's still a lot of time, and it's still Bama. You know, I'm, I'm guessing this is like a, uh, like sort of, a, you know, like an aberration, basically. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't be too worried about it if I were, uh, uh, you know, a Tide, fa- a Tide fan. Although, you know, you just never know with this type of stuff. You know, uh, I think I, I talked about on the, on the podcast when, you know, uh, so Bama didn't win the title two years ago and they didn't win it last year and they didn't even make the playoffs last year. But Monty Jones gets on Twitter and he says, you know, if, if you know, let, let this happen a couple more times and see and see if things don't start to get kind of, you know, kind of shaky there for, for Nick Saban and Bama and, and, uh, and Tuscaloosa. And it's kind of like, you know, it, it, you, you look at that and you go, really? You know, almost like it doesn't make any sense. But, you know, but Monty Jones isn't an, he's an, a, very, a very intelligent person. And Alabama does have, uh, you know, very high standards, uh, you know, for, for football. Um, although, they, you know, they won a while without, you know, living up to those standards. And then Nick Saban came back and he came in and did it. You know, he started doing it like Bear Bryant was doing it. But you just, um, you know, you just, you just never, uh, you know, I don't know. I guess it still that still seems ridiculous. He's won five championships since he's been there, but uh, you know, you just have you just like I said, you just you know who knows. Um, <laughs> imagine that. Imagine winning five you know championships since when did he get there? Was it when did Nick Saban get to Alabama? Let me see. Saving out to Alabama to, in 2007. Uh, won the first national title there in 2009, and since then he's won in 2011, 2012, 2015, and 2017. Uh, so he's gone a couple of years before without winning one. Uh, but you know, like Romani said, if it you know let it happen, you know let it get to three or four straight years without winning one. See what happens, but you know it seems crazy to think that a guy could win five, uh, you know, five, you know, five championships at a at a, at a university. <laughs> Come on, that's ridiculous, <laughs> you know, um, and and ever be on the hot seat. But you know, uh, I don't know. Is it something to even really, you know, like seriously even think about, you know? Uh, like I said, you would think not, but like I said, Lamonte Jones is is a very intelligent uh, person. Um, what else? What else? What else? What is this? Trojans Wire uh, and US, USA Today uh, is a piece by Matt Zemeck. Uh He writes, there's in 2006 a possible USC Florida postseason clash in 2008 would have been dominated by the defenses. Maybe a few people on the edges of the argument would dispute the claim, but nearly everyone in the room, if asked to describe how a 2008 USC-UF game would have, ha- would have panned out, would have emphasized the mastery of the two defenses 
and the limitations of the two quarterbacks. So, now 2008, um, right, okay, so 2018 had Tim Tebow uh, and uh, and Percy Harvin. Now, that, that 2008, uh, and I think, I think Florida won the, I think Florida won the, Florida, I think Florida won the, uh, the national championship that year, didn't they? Uh, they won in 2006 and, um, and 2008, and Tebow won the highest one in 2007. But, uh, you know, if you look at that match, I've always felt like the thing that would give USC an advantage in any of these, uh, you know, I almost want to take 2001 Miami out of it because that, I mean, that 2001 Miami team was just so ridiculously stacked. But if you look at those, uh, Nick, any Nick Saban coach team at LSU, or I almost want to take the Alabama teams out of it too. But if you look at those teams, okay, let's just say those teams that were, um, you know, that were dominating around the same time that USC was dominating, like Saban's LSU team, or um, or Pete's, uh, or I'm sorry, or uh, or Myers' Florida teams, uh, where the talent was, you know, relatively, you know, like these these teams at Bama and Florida State, these teams are putting out now. You know, I don't know if even those USC teams could match them, uh, you know, as far as talent, player for player. But but before that, for the era when where those, you know, like I said, those the, those the Pete USC teams and the Meyer Florida teams and the um. And the uh, and the Saban uh, LSU teams, um, player for play, you know, I'm sorry, not player for player. Um, I, I think that what would give USC the advantage is Pete Carroll. Um, the <laughs> guy was just messaged me and said like, uh, "Yeah, bro, it's not. I'm glad I, <laughs> I'm glad I didn't waste any more time and just went on without him." But um, Pete, Pete Carroll, the success that he's had in the NFL, uh, where you know Urban Meyer hasn't even tried, and Nick Saban tried for two years and then quit. The success that Pete Carroll has had in the NFL is, um, you know, it's really, it's really uh, like to, to me, uh, it's one thing to, to just you know, I, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from uh, great college coaches, but the game is just a lot more. It's just not nearly as complex as the NFL is. Uh, it's mostly a recruiting game and, a, you know, having the right coordinators, uh, you know, having a bunch of talent. Uh, that's the main thing. Uh, now, you know, it, you know, and, you know, when it gets to these big matchups, uh, you know, between teams that are, you know, have you know, equal levels of talent, you know, that's when coaching really starts to play an important factor. And that's where I think Pete Carroll gives USC the advantage. Like I said, the fact that he's had the success with, that he's had with the Seahawks since he got there in 2010, uh, which has really been like a, you know, uh, I mean, Pete Carroll might be somebody who ends up in, you know, both the college football and the and the NFL uh, Hall of Fame before it's all said and done. Uh, you know, I just think that it would, it would give him such a, you know, uh, if you look at like what they did to that Oklahoma team in 2004 that had Jason White and Adrian Peterson and all those guys, that was a really good, really talented Oklahoma team, and USC just completely, you know, curb stomped them. Uh, so if you if you look at it, 
uh, you know, really any time. I mean, other, other than that Texas game, you know, uh, that was really the only time the U.S. any any of those Rose Bowls that they played in that Orange Bowl, like I said, against Oklahoma. Uh, you know, any of those times when they played other, you know, uh, top schools from outside of the the uh, the, the Pac um, ten, you know, which was, was the Pac ten back then. So when they played Michigan, you know. They, you know, in 2008 when they played Ohio State and that 2008 team might have been the most talented all-around team uh, of that Pete Carroll era you know from top to bottom both sides of the ball so um, you know, in, a, in a matchup like that you know I think the tactical advantage that Pete Carroll would give USC uh, I think you know against that that Florida team uh, yeah I mean I, I like USC uh, uh, in, in, in pretty much in any of those in any of those matchups, because I think Pete Carroll out coaches Urban Meyer, and I think he out coaches Nick Saban. Uh, now, when it's like I said, if you talk about that 2001 Miami team, or this uh, you know these teams they have today, like these uh, you know these these uh, uh, Ohio States and, uh, and and Bama's and Clemson's and those teams like that, you know, uh, like I said, it's talented as those it's talented as those USC teams. Where at that time, um, you know, I don't know. Like these guys, it's just a different, a different beast now. You know, it's a different. That, you know, that 2001 Miami team was really like ahead of its ahead of its time. You know, uh, it, like you know, it was it was. You know, I mean, when 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 Saban came back uh, with Bama and started putting these teams together, that was like a different. You know, at least these teams of like the last ten years plus. Pretty much since Pete USC left USC and 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 Saban started winning titles at Bama, uh, that's a, it, these are different types of uh, types of animals now, you know, with the recruiting and you know how the player development. I mean, uh, you know, Pete was coaching, uh, you know, fully developed college players, but these guys that, uh, you know, it's just another level, you know, these teams now. Um, Elsewhere, uh, so I saw that uh, on the verge that Kim Kardashian uh, signed a deal with um, with Spotify. Spotify has already acquired. Um, they've already acquired uh, the the Ringer Net Podcast Network. Uh, they've already struck struck a deal with um with Joe Rogan, so you know they they're continuing to uh, you know m- you know put their foot down uh, and mark their territory in the podcast game. Uh, a story is uh, written by Nick Stat of The Verge. He says uh, Kim Kardashian West has entered into a deal with Spotify to produce and host a new exclusive podcast. The deal follows Spotify's, um, yeah, right. Um, uh, the Wall Street, the Wall Street Journal, uh, first reported Kardashian uh, West deal on Wednesday. Let's see if they mention any money here. Okay, Wall Street Journal is behind a paywall. Uh, the podcast, which will be distributed on the Podcast Network, Spotify acquired last year. Will spotlight both Kardashian West's involvement in the investigative work of co-producer Lori Rothschild and Saldi. Both will co-produce and co-host the show. 
the deals with Slate and Spotify's ongoing push to capture more of the podcasting landscape. The company purchased Gimlet Media and on the ring and the ring also, like I said. Um Yeah. So I wonder what Apple's gonna do. Uh I think I was reading seeing somewhere that Apple was gonna start uh doing the same thing. Uh, you know, which is uh basically playing you know paying for you know podcasts you know to be exclusive uh to their network now right now apple still controls like you know by itself like i don't know 60 or 70 percent of the you know the podcast market as far as listeners who where people listen to their podcasts uh so they still dominate but spotify like i said they're putting a lot of money in um to to try to change that and try to close that gap um So, and also, uh, in other tech news, Twitter today rolled out its um, new uh, audio tweets feature, where now instead of uh, just, you know, typing in your, (laughs) instead of typing in your, uh, your, your tweet, like it's been for the last, you know, I don't know, I mean, I, I got on Twitter in 2009. I think Twitter was around it. I think Twitter debuted in like 2006 or something like that. You know, the whole time it's been, you know, just, you know, typing your tweet in. Now you'll be able to actually record a voice note and, 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 and talk your tweet. <laughs> I think the limit is two minutes and 20 seconds. Um, it, it rolled out today. Uh, for, for me, I don't have the option yet on my main account. Hopefully it uh it it shows up soon. Uh it I do have the option on my um on the on the podcast account. Uh, but mainly, you know, I, I wanna be able to use it on the um on my on my main account so that I can uh you know people, like people are like people are tuned out my tweets, maybe if I start like actually saying my tweets where people can hear them. That'll make them more interested in what I what I have to say, uh, and and maybe so you know I'll get on there and I'll say you they'll actually be able to hear me say, hey listen to the podcast, and maybe that'll make them want to listen. You know this is like a it's like a new wrinkle. Maybe it'll give me uh, new life. But you know, I'm I mainly I just hope that I you know, the women I like uh, on Twitter that I'll be able to uh, hear their voice. Their voices from now on. Uh, last but not least, they came for Chris Delilah. Uh, Chris Delilah, I'm sorry. Uh, who uh, I mainly know Chris Delilah from from uh, season two of You, where he played the uh, um, the, the so-called pedophile who was uh, you know flirting with the little sixteen-year-old uh, girl. Um, however old she was, fourteen or sixteen, however old she was, in the show, and you know, I just, uh, you know, it was basically this, there was this girl coming out uh, who was sixty, sixteen years old, and saying that she, uh, that that you know, Chris was 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 grooming her, you know, through her DMs, and I don't remember. Let me see. Make sure. Um, 
I think was he was he trying to uh it says Yeah. The girl's name was Girl Power T B H. Uh yeah. He, he, I guess he, he yeah, he so he DM'd her on on Twitter and she was talking about, you know, this uh you know, power, you know how they, these women do now. Uh he was sort of to meet up and stuff like that. And send me a pic and, you know, of course, you know, it's it's amazing. I saw an amazing tweet recently. Um, I guess he asked her, "Can we make out?" Um, but of course, you know, supposedly a woman, a woman who, a girl who's sixteen is so immature. Really, a girl at any age is what they're trying to make it. Right? You know, women are just never smart enough to be able to know what a man wants. <laughs> that women cannot defend themselves against men in any way. Even a man just like talking to them, you know, spitting game to them, anything. Uh, which is what they're going for, uh, you know, female power without responsibility. And you know, it was, it was other, you know, other, you know, another girl on there who was saying uh, the same thing. Um, but it's just all a, you know, all a farce. You know, uh, the other girl, the other girl I was reading uh, today, like she didn't even say that he did anything. You know, like it was ridiculous. And it's amazing that nobody can. And if you say, if you get the, if you get the replies and you, and you say anything. Uh, like they'll call you an incel, you know. If you if you if you you know have the balls to to uh, you know just just say the obvious thing, which is that these girls are just completely full of it, you know. And uh, what else? Um. 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 um Yeah, but I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty much it. You know, it's just, it's just going to keep getting worse and worse. You know, uh, they're not going to stop, you know, I guess it, yeah, I mean, like uh, the, the worst, the worst of the, are these guys, who, you know, who have to be such allies of women who, uh, you know, the, uh, I think it's Jordan Peterson, uh, or Richard Dawkins who calls them, you know, sneaky fuckers, you know, like they're looking for, um, you know, they're looking for their way in, you know, they're going to pretend to be, you know, uh, you know, like they're down, they're down for the cause, you know, they're down for feminism and female and women's rights and all that crap. And, you know, that's how they, that's how they get, you know, that's how they find their way. Basically the same thing. And that's how Dawkins explains uh, homosexuality in men, you know, like basically it's, you know, it was, it was these guys who were pretending to be, you know, pretending not to be gay or whatever. And, you know, that's how they finessed their way inside. And then that gene ended up being, you know, passed on, you know. And, um, you know, these guys just are just, you know, the lowest of the lowest guys who who, who don't have the, the, the manhood to go. This is just completely ridiculous. You know, let's just you know, these these women are just completely you know, this, is, this is a complete farce. These women are full of crap. You know, nobody's uh, doing anything to women. Women are not under constant harassment. Women are not that defenseless. You know, these guys will you know, they'll get in the comments and they'll, you know, agree with all that stuff, you know. And it's like guys will say, you know, I hope she sees this, bro. You know, I hope she sees it. Cuck. But yeah, man. 
That's it. Uh, before I get out of here, just a reminder to follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at TCP underscore pod and to like it on Facebook. Just search for the Complete Player Podcast. Send feedback and mail back questions to Wilson Report Redux at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts. The show is also on SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. I am out.